I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again to dive into a film and what a film we've got lined up to review today. We're jumping into the zeitgeist, a big popular film that's been highly anticipated both by us and everyone in the whole cinema community and it feels like the world at the moment but that's just a little tease for now. I want to build up the tension much like this film does because I want to introduce my good film friend. Of course you don't come just to hear me waffle on about films. It's the man with the film mind, the cultural icon of the moment. He's diving into summer. He's full of beans. Callum, how you doing? Welcome. Here we are for another chat. Hello. Yes, I am here full of beans, as it were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You sound very beanful. (laughs) I'm good. No, I'm all right. I am. I got, uh, I'm flying out to Amsterdam tomorrow. Yeah, your summer is is yeah, here now. It really is, yeah. Although, if you were to look out the window, you wouldn't think so, would you? Absolutely well, that's chucking it down. But I'm sure the the twinkle in your eye and the grin on your face will spread the summer joy to everybody else. That sounds like a song lyric. <laughs> it does a little bit. Maybe we should uh, just pick lines from this podcast and put that into a, a song, and then that can be our debut album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like um, we've, we've, we've teased this, hasn't we? The sort of the... The podcast basement tapes, like, yes, yeah. In, in the you know, in, in the spirit of of Dylan, I mean, I'm not sure that what we have to say is much more prof- more profound at all than what Dylan. Oh, has I to think say. it is. I think <laughs> the, in the future, these podcasts will be printed on vinyls alongside Dylan's in a kind of strange comparison esque existential piece of art, and they'll go down in the the British Library up in the display cabinet which i recently frequented for the first time and this is this is what i'm referencing because what a wonderful experience that was the british library what a yeah. building and the exhibition they have on there with the peak the pinnacle being the magna carta wow that was that was wonderful to walk around well i mean yeah i mean although at the same time um i was at the british library again recently as well i went to see a talk and yeah, the building is quite striking, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. right in the centre of London, and then you go in, and it's just this sort of really, really quiet, serene space. Yeah, it takes you away um, from it. Yeah, it does. It's quite. It's a really, really nice space, and it's the only place, one of the only places where you can have access to air conditioning. Yes, um, which is a lovely bonus. And then the and, toilets uh, in there are unbelievable. It's like a, a <laughs> it's like a sports locker room in America. You There's should always space. You should always judge the quality of a building or the quality of an institution on its facilities. Yes, um, and, and and a long day in the library, you know, you want to make sure the facilities are up to standard. <laughs> and hats off to the British Library for really putting the investment time and maintenance into their toilet facilities. So if you're ever in London, in the central London area, and you do need a good toilet experience, then I'd highly recommend those of the British Library. Yeah, don't bother with the Magna Carta. Like, just no, go, just, just, just Don't go. give yourselves 20 minutes in a cubicle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm trying to think what else I've been up to, actually. Well, um, you teased that you're going away um, for a few weeks. So have you got some cultural endeavours lined up? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to Paris for the Louvre because I've never actually been. One of those things that I've, everyone that I know has kind of been to the Louvre. Um, that just shows I, the type of circles you're mixing. Well, well, what, what can I say? Everyone what you can know I has say? been to the Louvre. Well, not everyone I know. <laughs> like, most people that I know. Yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah. Um, there's a Delacroix uh, exhibition on, which is mm-hmm. going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. I'm just going to hang out on the left bank, really, and just kind of have some coffee. You Bit know. of you time. Yeah, like... I will be. I'll be coming from Brussels. I'm getting the train from Brussels to Paris. Um, just you know, as you do. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'll have a pack of Marlboros in tow. Have a couple of cigarettes on the Seine. Walk around Paris in the rain. Pretend I'm in a Woody Allen movie. Um, yeah, it's gonna be I great. Can picture it now. I think you're gonna really fit into the image of it, and I look forward to hearing all about it. Everything will be in, be in black and white. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and if you spot any lovely cinemas on the way, you know, we'd love to see some snaps of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in um, where was I the other day? I I went to see well, I went to see the film that we we're reviewing today in thirty five millimeter. Wow! Oh, you didn't yeah. you didn't tell me about that. Now that is well, I, th- I thought I'd dr- yeah, I thought I'd drop it just like just to hear your reaction. Yeah, that's um, good, that, and and that's really great for our image as well. That one of us is watching watching films in thirty five millimeters. We really need to make sure we put that in the uh, the online description. Well, in London, the thing is, you can't not you, all the films are shot in thirty five millimeter in the in the city. <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence. <laughs> you're not watching it if you're not watching it in 35 millimeters. Like, I'm gonna have to go back and see it again now because it'd be a totally different watch. Yeah, you should. Um, I'm trying to think. What, what, I watched another movie in 35 millimeter recently. What did I watch? It was one that we even reviewed on the podcast. Oh, I can't even remember now. Might be Asteroid City, maybe. I think that does sound like the type of film you'd watch in. 35. No, it wasn't. It was the Fablemans. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was the it was the Fablemans that was in thirty five millimeter because um that movie is about the making of movies. So I yes. thought what what yeah. better what better format to watch it in than than thirty five millimeter. And you got your little um, film strip as well from the cinema, didn't you, when you were went watching this? I did, yes. So shout out to Screen on the Green and in Islington, thank you for tagging us in your post. That was very nice of you. Um, it was also very nice to sort of have um, a bit of film, film, uh, a bit of a bit of film, a bit of film, <laughs> bit of film reel. Um, got quite a cool uh, image of Killian Murphy waving a hat in front of a, an American flag. It's all very edgy, I tell you. Well, I think that. We've teased enough there that roses in nicely, Callum, because as it I does. said at the beginning, this film's been hotly anticipated, one of the big films of the year. It's absolutely part of the cinema film discussion. And when I went watching it, it was a very busy cinema, which is great to see. We always love to see people going out watching films. But Callum, what is the film and what was it about? Over to you. Uh, we went to see Oppenheimer um, and... Unlike what seemed like the rest of the English population, I didn't go and see Barbie after it or before it. Um, been a bit of a thing, hasn't it? You know, the Barbie, the, bar, the Barbenheimer phenomenon. Um, but I didn't go and see it. I went for a lovely lunch after it instead. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a very pleasant way to follow. 
It was, yeah. I went for a lovely lunch and bought a scented candle because it's just it's just what I do these days now. That is what um, you do. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, yeah, we went to see uh, Oppenheimer in thirty-five. Well, at least I saw it in thirty-five millimeter. Um, basically, it's a biographical film about um, Robert J. 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 Robert Oppenheimer, basically, um, who was a physicist who played quite an um, important role in developing um, nuclear weaponry, specifically the atomic bomb that was dropped on, atomic bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, responsible for ending the Second World War. Um, and it basically follows his sort of life, um, his sort of flirtation with the American Communist Party from an intellectual perspective in his early life, and then focuses on him basically becoming a sort of celebrated theoretical physicist um and then it show basically charts his development of the atomic weapon at Los Alamos and basically res- the event that was responsible for sort of bringing in the atomic age sometimes referred to as atomic diplomacy um after the atomic bomb was created like the nature of um political discourse was changed forever really and that's what the film kind of sort of references it's kind of like the world is never the same um, after the development of this um, uh, f- huge amount of basically unprecedented destruction, unprecedented weaponry, really. Um, and the film concludes with Oppenheimer basically being held over the coals for and accused of being a communist spy, which I didn't know. I knew that he'd had sort of, he'd flirted with the Communist Party early in his life and um, obviously was responsible for sort of leading the Manhattan Project. But um, I didn't know that he was accused of being a communist spy and basically interrogated for it, Um, which, again, um, doesn't surprise me given the amount of sort of anti-communist sentiment that sort of like was seeped into the American consciousness immediately after the war and continues to do today, really. Um, But the... The film concludes with, I think, quite a powerful message, sort of thinking about, you know, is science good for man? It's kind of like, do we want sort of science to be, the end point of science to be one of destruction? But it's also about sort of like, you know, masculine fetish and power and um, how the nation, who all, who holds power and the relationship between knowledge and power. Um, it's a fascinating movie about um, uh, power. I would argue, both nuclear and political. There we go. I'll leave it there. Both nuclear Thank and you. political. There you go. Very much, Callum. Once again, a great insight and a lovely overview. And as you say, yeah, Oppenheimer, a highly anticipated film, Christopher Nolan's latest release. And I just want to go straight in by saying I was very excited by this film. Not for the Christopher Nolan side, and not that I wasn't excited for it because of that, but the historical element of this is well within my wheelhouse. We mention on more than ample uh, occasions on the podcast how you and I studied together, Callum, at university, history graduates, and we bang on about our love and interest of history. But this is well within the era of history I was interested in. I wrote my dissertation on nuclear bomb testing. I've always (laughs) been fascinated by the Cold War and elements to do with nuclear bombs and the power and the politics involved with that. So I knew this was going to be of interest to me. And straight away, I'll say the historical element of this film is absolutely fascinating. And I think it does it justice really, really well. To follow it 
in that sense, it is gripping in terms of the story, the history, the politics that it relays. I think we've early on got to address the elephant in the room that it's a long film. And mm. any time a film makes the decision to be this long, what is it, around three hours? Yeah. It's making a conscious decision to be a long film. And I think we have to address that because there's issues that come with that, but also there is justification that comes with that of why is the filmmaker decided to go that long. But in this case, I think it's because there's such detail to history and such detail to the personal developments and the identity of Oppenheimer that that is justified in those means because it is a very historically detailed film. And in many ways, one of his more detailed films in terms of history and the actual characters and detail rather than plot and action because on the timeline of Christopher Nolan films and he does love a timeline you've got a mix of different ones some of them are very high concept and even though he always does like putting different timelines together and bringing them together at the end some of them are high concepts and they win you over because of the cleverness and the intrigue of that whereas this one I'd say is one of the furthest along that line of history focusing on the historical events and digging into the power structures at play the personalities and the identity of everyone involved so even though it was a long watch yes and it was a tiring watch because the subject matter is quite grim in many ways and it strikes a a dull tone even in the moments of success and celebration in the film there is that idea of regret and existential crisis and the philosophical elements of it which i think is all very important to think about and it lends itself really well to it this film but i think the success of the film is the detail that it goes into the history but also the identity of oppenheimer and those involved with the science and the nuclear program around him so even though it's not as high concept as a lot of other christopher nolan films i really enjoyed the element of sitting through it taking in this grit and detail of the narrative and coming out of it with a lot of thoughts questions insights my emotions were stirred even though it wasn't high action there was tension built up all the way through none more so when they're building up to the the testing of the bomb itself i was quite literally on the edge of my seat for that which I think is a powerful tool that he uses a lot, but was very well used in this for a film that strikes a quite consistent tone throughout. So initial reaction was, yes, long watch, tough watch, but I think the toughness comes because of the historical subject and the identity that he goes in of Oppenheimer and doesn't try and give it a Hollywood romanticism. There's a rawness to it, there's a realness to it, and you've got to go through the ringer with the character. And at the end of it, I think you come out feeling tired because you've been through a highly emotional experience. For that, I think it succeeded. What about you, Callum? What was your first response from it? Um, For me... It was kind of like a Nolan classic in some respects, in the sense that everything that he writes for a movie and everything that he thinks has to be committed to screen, um, like nothing is spared. Like every Nolan movie that I've watched, they've always been ridiculous, like not ridiculously long, but like quite long. And sometimes it's got to it's got to keep me involved to to keep, to keep me watching. Um, so in that, that that was the one my my sort of one critique of it really in the sense that like it was just sometimes I think he needs a better editor, um, 
which is kind it's of a, a bold call. It's a bold call. Which is kind of a it's kind of a cop out critique, isn't it? To say, oh, it's too long. But one thing that I do think this film really champions is um sorry, not champions, sorry, that's the wrong word, but one thing that I think is good about this film is that it doesn't romanticize the weaponry or the legacy of sort of because yeah. you know what yeah. I mean the legacy of atomic weaponry because one thing would it would would have been very easy to do is to say oh yeah look at this amazing weaponry we've beat the the enemy America beat the enemy and actually I think it sort of it actually is a critique of um America in the in the forties very and 50s. much so because it could quite easily as you say fallen into that trap of even though it was obvious there was going to be a moral element to it but glorifying the success of him and and the team and the government yeah exactly and i think one thing that nolan does really well here is that he basically sort of positions the the development of such nuclear weaponry it's not necessarily about destroying an enemy like that's what it started out as i guess but like it was more about sort of like a masculine fetish power like for the ownership of death you know, like men in particular, like nations and states, have the power to determine who controls the world. Because there's something that's that, that's the one sort of constant that runs through the whole um, identity of the film, isn't it? This idea yeah. that, like, you know, now that we've developed this weaponry, we have the power to destroy the world. And in, in that case, is science necessarily good for man? I mean, there's the point in the movie when Oppenheimer's friend—I can't remember his name now—it's um, the one he goes. He goes to watch him deliver the lecture, and Oppenheimer delivers it in Dutch. Um, I can't remember okay. the name of the, prof- the professor now, but he he was like basically, I, I don't want the the end point of science to be this. Like, I don't want the end. I don't want the sort of like because all all the theories that they're sort of using to develop this bomb are all new. I mean, Oppenheimer's teaching a brand new approach to um, quantum mechanics and physics and things like that. You know what I mean? So. The argument is that is science necessarily a good thing when it has the power to destroy the world? Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there's loads of other sort of like um, themes that Nolan writes about really well. It's like the, you know, particularly Los Alamos. It's like the development of such unprecedented destruction. I couldn't help but think that again, it's that frontier aspect again that constantly comes. It's every aspect of that sort of like drips into every crevice of the American identity. This idea that American ingenuity is at the for is at the cutting edge and forefront of everything, um, and the fact that they go and build this in a desert, you know, the sort of like the the ultimate expression of sort of like, and they and they build a town there as well. It's like, oh, we take our families there. We build a church. We build a Which school. Which has been taken from the native community. Too. Exactly. That's something that they reference quite exactly. clearly. And I think that's the point that you're making. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's like, it's like the, the homesteaders. It's like the nuclear homesteaders. Which, was, of course, was a huge thing in the 50s and 40s and 40s and 50s. I mean, you know, there was this like, this constant reference to um, frontier ideology, this idea that America is pushing progress. And of course, half the scientists on the program were all European. Yes. Um, so again, there's, there's, I think Nolan captures the hypocrisy of the nation there, I think. Um, one thing I do, a final point I want to make, just before we delve into a bit more of discussion about it, is the um, how you're meant to feel sorry for Oppenheimer in the sense that like he's an arrogant 
he's not he's not a nice person really i mean he's quite arrogant he um has multiple affairs um and his body and his face becomes more gaunt as the film progresses and this sort of like dark spectre sort of envelops him throughout he, he's quite a haunting behind his face like killian murphy yeah. has captured it quite nicely in the sense that like he's the shadow of his of his hat sort of like brings a darkness onto his sort of like very uh sort of gaunt face and it's like you know by the end he's this weak and frail looking man but he's developed something so powerful it's almost as if like as your body decays the knowledge that you leave behind is eternal in some respects um and that knowledge in this instance has the power to destroy the world um and it's like that tension between knowledge and state power and what can you do with not that that amount of power both sort of like from a weaponry perspective i think it captures i think it captures the um a conversation that was happening between america and itself the com- the conversation that america was having with itself in the in the 50s in the 40s and 50s but i think it also captures an an a conversation that america is continuing to have with itself about its industrial military complex because there's a point in the movie when they say imagine what we could achieve with this weapon with america's military behind it and i think that is just a um quite a damning indictment of um of of an industrial mechanized militarized nation complex which is basically what the the nation has become it's become a military state in some respects so yeah, yeah really yeah i thought it was really really interesting there's so much to go at here and there's almost an, multiple episodes in this for all the different themes and there is just yeah, from what yeah. you've said there and to reiterate what i said at the beginning the historical element of this is what drives through most for me above plot because the plot is fascinating because of the retelling of the story is but it's he doesn't necessarily go too hard to engineer a plot within it that is kind of a concept within because he does that a lot is find a historical element or some kind of concept and comes up with his own clever concept within that and yes you have these dual narratives running alongside each other and i do like how it ends of you learn uh, information at the the 11th hour of the film which then comes together and changes your scope a little bit and your view of it that's great that's classic christopher nolan way of doing things but that's not the driving force of this film and i just want to go back to what you started touching upon there and alluding to was the philosophical discussion that it goes into the existential crisis that oppenheimer has over his involvement with it and yes the character and the characterization of Oppenheimer in it, I think it's fascinating. His identity, he's almost quite nihilistic or becomes quite nihilistic. There's a lot of moments in the inquiry or him giving his views on things or where he back and forth his notions and his ideas and not necessarily when he stands by one thing or stands by another, but in the film he likes to see himself as quite morally fluid. He supports different causes, he's quite liberal and open, but at the same time he's willing to, for maybe his own identity or for the pursuit of scientific goals, put himself in different positions. And Mm. he never really aligns with one way of thinking, but yet aligns with everything. So that's why his character is so fascinating. And that's why I love the character in the film because you're never really sure even till the end of the film whether you want to back him or not it's very gray the whole film's quite morally gray and that's the whole point of it i think because themes related to the development of nuclear weapons 
becomes highly philosophical and existential in its nature because as you mentioned at the beginning of the film and historically speaking the the bomb is developed because they believe the nazis are well ahead for creating an atomic bomb and they and america and the allied forces need to get one before the nazis do so there's a very traditional aim there on a war front that everyone can kind of get behind and rally behind and therefore rally behind the cause of the nation. But once, and this is a big tipping point in the film, is where they announce that Hitler's dead and Germany is surrendering and then it's just Japan fighting on. The push to develop the bomb is still there. The drive is still there from the politicians, from the military, and then also mainly within the scientific community that are developing it. You do then see the resistance, and that's when the challenges start and come to Oppenheimer. And that's where the film really takes its spin towards the, the moral element, the philosophical element of what are they doing. And as you say, it's that historical theme of what can man do beyond itself? What should science and man go alongside? And that's a discussion that's been going on for hundreds of years. It's a very introspective thing, and it's a big philosophical question. But that's where the moral questions come in the film. Yes, there are always going to be, and they couldn't do this topic without the moral element of war and the mass destruction of the atomic bomb that's clear that's there and i don't think you can even consider this topic without that being an obvious source of uh, emotion and question and shock and awe but going beyond the physical impact of it there is that question that you pose of what should science and be to humans and the human race and should it be progress or in this case is it destruction and should this be the final act of scientific progress and that's the discussion i've always found fascinating by any theme related to this and within the cold war thinking and the art that came out of that because it's goes beyond just the literal it goes into the existential the ethereal because you're asking what is it we're doing here because the idea and this is something that oppenheimer toys with and when pushed on whether they should carry on uh, developing the bomb and why they should drop it is because he says only once the world has seen it used will then we realize we can't do anything like this again but when that happens he takes another step further and believes that oh no the power of this will keep continuing and that's when he stops backing it but that's the point that's the existential philosophical element and i think it's a very important thing to always consider not just in the world of nuclear weapons but it is a big question for scientific development life arts against science and everything related to that and as i said we could go into this so much deeper i'm trying not to just run down this line because this is a whole discussion point in itself <laughs> but just to bring it back round to how the film anchors this i'm so glad that it goes down that route because as you said it could quite easily have been a here's a really fascinating story about how the atomic bomb was developed here's a moral spin on it how obviously it made him feel regretful and he felt like he had blood on his hands as he says to the president in the film but there could have been an element of glorification in there of how this did win the war and how science won out in the end and it really goes in the other direction because even though it shows the scientific wonder of it it leaves you throughout with a moral grayness and a uh, a nihilistic feel to it and even the like i said the celebratory scenes in the film where you should feel 
the upbeats of the emotion, they're countered with downbeats, essentially, when he's giving the speech at the development site and everyone's cheering and he's kind of saying platitudes which are quite militaristic. He's lost in his own thoughts and he never seems to come back from them. So just to conclude on what I'm trying to say there is that I'm very glad the film goes down that philosophical element because that's what is important about discussion and consideration of themes related to things like nuclear bomb development and everything Cold War related. And even though it could easily fall into that trap of a a war film, it doesn't. It gives you the things that you need to discuss. And even though it's tough at times to get through, it needs to be tough to go through those. And I think that is the real power of it. Callum, I'm not even going to say necessarily to comment on that, Callum, because we've got another so <laughs> real, real open book on this episode. And I'm very aware that there's so many things that could go into. So I just kind of want to pass it back to you and be like, yeah. is, what else do you want to say? I mean, the um, what you were saying there about sort of not glorifying the development of it, there is an element of sort of like hubris, though. Okay. In the sense that like some of the scientists are like, oh, I, I want to develop this type of bomb, but I want to develop this other type of bomb. There is a bit of a a race to sort of make a name for yourself in some respects. Um, yes, but I'm, I'm, I mean from like the filmmaker's eye, like, yeah, it does yeah. show that within the scientific well, community this, well, this, on it. Well, this is what I was going to say. So, like, the film sort of, like, sets that up and you're meant to sort of, like, feel, I was like, oh, you know, there's there's all these scientists have a profound sense of hubris. But then, of course, when Oppenheimer goes and speaks to Truman in the Oval Office and he says that he has blood on his hands, I think it's such a good scene really because good. Truman just gives him his handkerchief out of his top pocket mm-hmm. and just goes, there you go. Almost as if to say, just wipe, just wipe the metaphorical blood off your hands with my, with my handkerchief that was in my top pocket, and move on. Because he says the world won't remember Oppenheimer because you didn't drop the bomb, I did. And again, it just, it's just such a good scene because it speaks volumes about um, masculine power, and like this idea of ownership is like I, I'm responsible for for this. I own this. I own this decision. Yeah. Um. And it's just such a powerful and damning indictment of um, of masculine power. And of course, there's the scene with um, uh, there's been quite a lot of uh, talk about this on online about um, the relationship with um, Florence Pugh's character and Killian Murphy's character, like the the sex scene, for example, and. The thing that he actually says is like, oh, can you read this bit of Sanskrit? It's like, I am now death, the destroyer of worlds. He said that like like years after, I think, after the bomb had already been dropped. And again, there's just sort of that juxtaposition between sort of like um, that sentence, that line, and then sex and masculine power and like um, desire as well. There's almost a sort of like a, I mean that that's been like a, a literary and artistic trope for for years, um, the the relationship between sort of power and sex and death and all that sort of stuff. I mean surrealists even that was what underpinned an entire artistic movement really. Um, but again, I just thought it was a quite an interesting scene to sort of like ground the idea of of um, masculine power and state power and how the two are intimately linked with destruction yeah and you're right there and i agree with that is the film definitely pushes towards 
showing these individual drives through the most extreme desires and what's to say drives that you said there's the element of sex which is used symbolically within it but the masculine element the militaristic element and then the idea coming back to the philosophical of the power of having like the godlike power in in the hand yeah. and this is what drives his theoretical science but then when he kind of talks about the opportunity of it coming into action is a lot of theoretical science is built what about how can we learn more about nature and challenge it and figure it out and go beyond it but this was like the ultimate expression of the practical meeting the theoretical and when that actually happens all of these extra things that uh, come alongside it and i think that again another powerful insight that it gives there as you say that's what gives as the feeling throughout it is that it's always a bit morally gray you're not pushed in a certain direction to feel the satisfaction of completion at any point of any storyline you're always given bits and these different characters that are a bit murky in their ambitions and drive because the whole thing is that's the point of it because it's so much beyond what we can even conceive and the fact that something like this happened and still live in a world where this exist because it's so much beyond what we can conceive just in the day-to-day but yet it happens and when it's when the uh kind of like ethereal meets the real it's yeah, like how yeah, do you that's a point, yeah. how do you process that and then reality and time goes on and that scene as you say where truman dismisses him essentially he goes don't let that cry baby come back in here again yeah and he's yeah. needed the scientists are needed when it is appropriate for the power, the military, the politicians to utilize them. But then when it's not, they're gone. There's no wonder or artistic satisfaction in that. It's the practical element of the science is wielded by those in power. And when anything beyond that comes back in, he's dismissed. And that's where the issues then come. And I just want to make sure because, uh, as I said, there's a lot to throw in here. But what is a fascinating undercurrent of the film that's focused on is this idea of communism, which you mentioned earlier on, and how that is then used against Oppenheimer later on in his life, even though it was known earlier on that he dabbled with left-wing politics and was donating through communist channels and had links to the Communist Party in America. Even though it was looked over during the war, it was really used against him as part of America's real communist... Uh, paranoia post the second world war which obviously fed into the cold war which drove them to really push for the h-bomb which he was then against and other militaristic elements that supercharged the cold war but that element of history just on one side as i said is fascinating to me because it leads to all sorts of considerations of the existential but then that east-west battle and the polarization of politics but also the idea within american politics and you think the reality and practicality of it is he would probably just describe himself as slightly left-wing liberal individual but but that in america was absolutely demonized as you are if you have any of these views you are communist therefore you're russian and therefore you are the enemy and we've discussed this in previous reviews before when we've looked at the golden age of cinema and a lot of the films during that time and the filmmakers like Charlie Chaplin were demonized as communists because they were expressing left-wing views and going against the American and therefore patriotic tradition and the ideals in there. And the fact that they get this into it 
from someone who maybe did what would be seen as the state at the time as one of the most patriotic duties of developing a weapon for the country that, in their view, could end the war, but then to be demonised for being communist and anti-patriotic the next minute is fascinating insight in terms of the story because of the journey of this individual. And just as a biographical piece, it is interesting. But for the mindset and political control that it showed of the state at the time, and obviously we can then look at it now of how we see politics develop, but how if something seems to threat threaten the power, they will get rid of it in one side and then justify it in the other. And again, we're in danger of going to some real political discussion here, but in the very context of this film, I think it was fascinating how they went into that beyond just the historical facts, but how the whole mechanisms of power works. And I think that's how the point of Robert Downey Jr.'s character in this, because he basically engineered the downfall of Oppenheimer, which then became becomes his own downfall in it. But that's why that plot is in there not just to be a biographical piece about Oppenheimer it's to show how the mechanics of all of that works within the war but then also the post-war communist threat era dangerous to talk about politics we're in danger that like yeah it, 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 it's always good to talk about politics marcus <laughs> like communism like the, no, the, man, right, the manifestations right. just, of communism going too far away from the film <laughs> no i know but, I this know. Is, but yeah. again this is great and i always think it's a great film when it gives you such a platform of discussion There are so many segments we could jump off that. We've given quite a general view of the themes that it's given us. And as we always say, what we'd love to do on this podcast is, yes, look at a film, describe why it's good, bad, what it gives us, but use that film as a platform for further discussions. And that's what art should be. That's what film is and what is to us. It's a piece of entertainment on one side, but it's a platform for discussion of bigger ideas themes and thoughts and this film gives a huge springboard and i think that's the biggest win of it i agree yeah should we wrap up shall we shall we yeah i'm gonna throw it over to you for the first summary column because i feel like i really poured myself into my last lecture there so if you can give us your overview mark out a 10 that would be splendid um yes oppenheimer it's a a film about sort of like state power masculine power science is it good for man the relationship between you know the military complex and the development of um uh, political policy in particular you know the the sort of nuances and how between those various things um i give it nine out of ten it's a very very it's a it's a really interesting film um in the sense that like it really does make you think about the real those aforementioned things i've just said um <laughs> but at the same time it's just like i feel like with no all Nolan movies, there's always an element of nothing being spared, and um, yeah, it was. It, it's just at, at points I was, I was thinking, right, okay, I I get you've made this point quite succinctly about sort of communism and the relationship between that and the state. We can move on now and think about how we're going to close it. Maybe I don't know. I just think that like um, it was just a little bit too long for me. 
Um, which again, I hate as a critique. I hate it. It's a, such a cop out. Oh, it was a bit long or it was a bit short. But again, that's just how I feel. Um, so that is what I would say. Nine out of ten. It's still a very, very good film. It's 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 well crafted. It's well put together. It's beautifully written. Um, and the the cast is great. We haven't even spoken about that, have we? Really? I mean, the cast is awesome. Like some real um, talent. Some real talent in that. And yeah, I would thoroughly recommend that you go and watch it. I mean, you know, do the Barbenheimer thing if you want to. Um, but yeah after three hours of intensity um maybe to go for a beer afterwards <laughs> rather, rather that's a great rule for you know life I mean? <laughs> like yeah so yeah over to you marcus what do you think yeah great and as i said the real win of this film is the historical element and this is very much on the spectrum of christopher nolan films where he's telling the historical story rather than coming up with a clever concept even though the narratives do run in a clever way to come together at the end and the last 15 minutes gives you a lot more i love a film where it's great throughout but then how it all ties together at the end gives you an extra 40 percent, 50 percent on top of what you've already enjoyed in the film i think that does it the tension building throughout as well from a very filmmaking perspective i think was very good because it is quite a flat line of emotion for a lot of it because you're feeling a bit dulled down you're meant to feel that idea of introspection it's not meant to be bang bang crazy even though the subject matter is and that the scene where it builds up until the dropping of the bomb when they're testing it that was so tense i was on the edge of my seat quite literally and the kind of false uh drop of it in the way that you don't get the wave of noise straight away that you're expecting to be hit by it all obviously real true to the science of it but also from a filmmaking perspective that works really well it's given a huge springboard, as you've seen. And I'm so glad we've gone down this avenue, Callum, because the themes of this film which are what stood out to me from a personal interest, but also because I think it gives a lot of discussion point and is a period of history which is known to many of us, but an intricacy in it, even though it is one of the most important historical events to date. It's not necessarily known to too many people and therefore the impact of that and what it tells us about wider human states the idea of being but also political and militaristic ideas and control so there's so much in there to break down and it takes that conversation to so many different levels performance wise love the character of oppenheimer done really well a fascinating biography of him as as well the only thing that's knocking this down slightly for me and it's a bit of a riff on your argument callum but i always go back to my trusty two pillars of what makes a great film it's got to give great discussion points and give you questions and ideas and thoughts afterwards but it's got to be really engaging as you watch it and it absolutely gives the questions the ideas and discussions 10 out of 10 for that but even though I don't necessarily agree it was too long, would I rush to watch it again? No. Am I glad I watched it? Very glad, because what it gave me. The reason I wouldn't rush to watch it again, because it's not unbelievably engaging in the sense of it's captivating everything that's going on. You just feel a sense of satisfaction after watching it for what you've seen. So even though that's not necessarily a critique of the film, it just doesn't then stand out that I'm going to bang it in my top films because I really want to see it again. I'm more glad that I've seen it, I've taken it in rather than really enjoy the spectacle. So overall, it's an 8 out of 10, but great film. Definitely recommend to others and um, very glad that we've reviewed it. 
But there we are, Callum. We had a real big, chunky review to get in there. We've gone a bit longer than usual. I'm sure we could have gone a lot longer than usual because there was so much to get our teeth into there. But Oppenheimer, one of the films of the year, has been highly anticipated. And I must say, I think it has delivered to a great extent. Thanks for another chat, Callum. I feel quite tired after that as I did after watching <laughs> Oppenheimer so might have to take your advice of rather than going watching Barbie going having a beer afterwards yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway you see fit that's the way to go um thanks for the chat I hope you have a good trip over the next few weeks if you, uh, you. want to yes. share some f- photos of any funky cultural elements that you're taking along the way of course we share all these on our Instagram page at the Glass A Film Club so if you don't already follow us there's even more reason to follow us now Callum's going on a cultural expedition and he might be up to some goodness seeing some nice cinemas so I look forward to hearing all about that and I'm sure we will report back on that soon if you've not already listened, we've got some great conversation episodes out this series. We've got a conversation with Damien Spanley from Curzon Cinema and Dean Cross from View Cinema. Some fantastic chats there. There are more little teaser here coming for the rest of this series, but we've had a good summer run so far and we'll have plenty more reviews, plenty more conversation episodes coming up. Me, Callum, will still be here bringing you our thoughts, ideas and delving into all different sorts of conversations based on different films. But that's that. That was Oppenheimer. Hope you've enjoyed that conversation. Keep watching films. Keep letting us know what you think about the films that we've watched, any films that you've seen, what you'd like us to see, and of course, about the podcast. But until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later.